Wow. Been a great morning already, hasn't it? Feeling the presence of God in such a strong and powerful way this morning. Like, wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Would you say, Holy Spirit, have your way through the rest of this service. Have your way. We love you. We value. We appreciate you. We honor you and we worship you. And again, have your way. Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I just, the things that we have to celebrate, like, wow, the Tammy and Jameson have been there like less than two weeks, less than a week. I knew it was less than two weeks. Yeah, less than a week is definitely less than two weeks. So they just got there, and Jameson was sharing with me before they were going to leave. I said, so how long are you guys going to be gone? He said, well, it probably could be anywhere from what they're telling us, anywhere from four months to nine months, because she has a rare blood type that's hard to get a difficult match and, and, and finding the right match. So they just had to move down there and stay until a match is found. We prayed and prayed. We, we have prayed for them a great deal. And God is faithful. That match came within the first week. They called her in. They did the research. Yes, yes, yes. Passed all the tests. Did the surgery. And oh my goodness, happened so fast. God is faithful. Oh, it's like, man, incredible. It's like, wow, wow, wow. Um, yeah, that, there's a handful of other things. You know, it's like we think, find, understand, and realize that there's turmoil going on all around us, but God is faithful. He is so faithful. I, I, I'm thinking about, in fact, I have two pages and two messages, the scriptures that I built for the message that I was planning to bring this morning. And you're probably getting tired of that. It's like, Lynn, why don't you do something different besides get up here and say this is sermon number two, that you already had one. But it's like, I, I, I am just thinking how important first that our faith in God is so incredibly, incredibly important as we know, understand, and realize He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. And we have to attach our faith to Him and be faithful in our faith, believing, understanding He is the all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing, everywhere mighty, powerful God. It's like, wow. And sometimes just reminding myself and having things like this to just completely reinforce that. I've, uh, since the last time I was up here, I started, I've decided, I convicted myself and decided to read through the Bible again from page one in my new Bible to page 1500 and something. And in those almost two and a half, almost three weeks, I am all gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and I have started in Deuteronomy a little over 200 pages in. It's like if I will read 10 pages a day, 
I can get this accomplished before the end of the year quite handily. And I think about, back about, like, man, that's a big, big Bible, a lot of pages and, and little print. But I think back about what John Maxwell said. He said, that, that rule of five, he said, if you see a tree that you would love to be removed, but that's a big, big tree in your backyard, and you will go out there with your axe and take just five strokes at it every day, he said, you'll be surprised. One day that tree will fall. <laughs> it's like, okay, how about 10 pages a day? But what I, and, and what I'm seeing in God is like, it, it's amazing. I mean, I spend a lot of time in the Bible researching and stuff, but reading from page one to page 1500 and a little bit, to be very transparent with you, I've only done that one time where I read in succession from page one all the way through. And God is highlighting a number of different things as I go. And, and Renee and I, we're, we're sitting together and we're trade off a little bit, you know, some mornings, reading aloud to each other, and I go, listen to this, listen to this. It's like just amazing that each time you read that, even to go study how he highlights something different to you. Yeah. It's like, well, I never saw that before. Wow, that's, that's amazing. That's wonderful. His word is so, would you say powerful, but I was just going to say organic. It's something that, that, that is pertinent today, tomorrow, yesterday, and forever. As we just continue to dig into it, oh, there's something for me in the Old Testament there. Oh, my goodness. Um, one of the things that the children of Israel struggled with so stinking much was, was see miracle after miracle, provision after provision, the things that were provided for them, but then they would slip back into their old ways. And get frustrated and be calling, like, why did you bring us in? We're going to die in the desert. We're going to die in the desert. From one day to the next was a different kind, new provision, new provision of so many different ways that God provided for them. And it's like, we're going to die in the desert. It's like, man, sometimes we, we, we end up looking around. And if all we see is the negative, we can start to buy into and believe those words. It's like... Where we so need to know that we need to be focused on the positive things. The word tells us, focus, focus, be grateful, be thankful for all of the positive blessings in our lives and the thing that God is doing for us. It's like, man, we turn around, look around, just like Tammy and Jameson, we're praying for them. We've sent them off. They're gone. And it's, oh, nine months? Well, this surely is not going to be nine months. Uh, praise the Lord. Um, what I am believing this morning that I'm going to be preaching here is, let's see, what would the title be? Establishing or creating a new default. You know, when you... Uh, hit the default and everything goes back to original settings. You know, it's how, how easy that is for us to want to just to go back to what we knew before. Default. Go back, back to default mode. It's like, um, well, I want to start reading in John chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. 
There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Two words that stand out right there. Of the Pharisees. Everyone knows who the Pharisees were, right? Yeah. Everybody say Pharisee. A man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Though this is someone that was well-versed, that was educated, and a ruler, a leader. We got it? This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. The signs and wonders, same kind of thing that they saw in the desert, in the wilderness, the children of Israel, we look at, God still does. These incredible signs and wonders, and people still wonder, is he real? Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So you're saying to someone who knows all of the rules, who knows all of the laws, and is a ruler of those, telling him, Everything that you have that you have learned is no longer applicable. You have to be born again. Right? Is that not what we're hearing here so far? It's like, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said that to you. You must be born again. Because the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So everyone who is born, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's like, I want to break this down just a little bit. Everyone here has been born again, right? We fully understand that. That's been taught to us. We've, we have bought in. We've asked Jesus to come into our life. We have been born again. I, uh, I think we'll just keep going a little bit, but being born again, understanding being born again, and being filled with the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit is like two very, very different things. Just to accept and be born again and understand even what really, truly being born again <laughs> means. It's like... Uh, and, and I want to dig into that, but I just want to say first, a little bit of experience of mine. It's like I was 19 when I gave my heart to the Lord, but I was kind of break some of that down in, in, in decades, 10-year increments. I can do that now because I'm 71 years old. Like, man, that just seems like break it down into 10-year increments for most of you, that that's not hard to do. There's only like three or four or two or three of them. But for me, it's like, oh, there are several of them. And the first two decades of my attempting to walk with the Lord and understand what that meant was basically trying to follow the rules, the Ten Commandments, uh, 
and accepting Jesus into my life. And hoping any time that I would jump on an airplane or any time that I would do something that I thought might be dangerous enough, dangerous enough that possibly I could die doing this, it's like, Lord, give me three or four minutes to be able to ask forgiveness one more time just to make sure that I'm really going to make it to heaven. Anybody relate to that? Okay, good, good. I'm not the only one. I, I'm not the only one. Never being really secure or, or affirmed in my salvation because I was, it was all about thinking about the rules, the rules, the rules. Did I do this? Did I do, get this right? Did I maybe mess up here? Is there something else? It's like, so I just say that's how I went through life, my Christian life was just exactly that. Not walking in power, not walking in authority. I was youth leader a couple times. I was young, teaching young marrieds, but I was teaching the same thing that I had learned because I didn't know any better. I had not been filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I, <clears throat> we need to be Born again, and man, that is just the beginning. Born again. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We become, 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I didn't understand that. Did you understand that when you, when you accepted, when you received? It's like, it's pretty quiet. I heard one yes anyway. You were in a totally different church than me. <laughs> It'll become a new creation. All things have become new. It's like, oh, wow. That is really significant when we think of Something new, that this, my sin has been wiped away, but it's not just that my sins have been forgiven. I'm now a new creation, and everything becomes new. Are you with me? All things have become new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. So there's some things that I, I think of, yeah, this is, I bought a new truck the other day, and that new truck has a manual about that thick with it. It's got all kinds of things that I'm not really familiar with, like I can make that thing, I can program that, I, I have the potential To make that thing, the steering wheel go up and slide in and the, and the seat go back when I get out. And as long as I get in with this thing, as soon as I get in, it will go back to those settings. And I think of this, this, this thing and, and the, the intelligence of that truck that has a number of computers that make that all work. And I think, man, this is, this is pretty amazing 
but there's a lot that I have to learn with this new truck that I didn't have to know before, so I'm going to have to do some studying to make all of these things happen and make them work in my life, in my truck. So I started, I started studying that a little bit, and it's like, wow. One of the frustrating things is, is it's kind of like when it's, we go back and talk about Holy Spirit here. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound. Don't really know where it's coming from. I think as we grow in our relationship with Holy Spirit, I was talking with uh, a fellow pastor just this, this last week from another church from somewhere, and uh, she was saying to me, you know, Pastor Lynn, I really don't feel like I'm hearing the voice like I used to hear the voice. She said, you know, I, it used to almost be like a download from a fire hose that I was getting real clarity and I was hearing and hearing and hearing and it's like, wow, you know, it was loud and clear, loud and clear, hearing loud and clear. And I, I, I thought about that and I said, you know, when I really first began to hear, it was like that, kind of like fire hose, all kind of download stuff, but... There's scripture that says, being a friend of Jesus, a friend is one that knows because we've spent time and relationship and we have access to the mind of Christ and we know what he wants because of the time that we've spent, right? So we don't have to hear a loud voice giving lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of instruction because, like <laughs> the still small voice, one of the scriptures that I really did want to go to, but I'm not going to end up taking the time. But you remember when Elijah was running from Jezebel? He had killed 450 prophets. Fire came down. God had sent fire down. They licked up his offering. And remember that story on Mount Carmel? And he heard and he called an end to the drought, to the famine, the drought and the famine, and it started to rain. I mean, miracle, another miracle. And then he heard one word from Jezebel that said, mark my words, tomorrow you're going to be dead, basically. And he was so afraid of that one word that he ran and ran and ran and ran and ran, hid himself in a cave, and... The word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here? So I came, and then it said, come out. I want you to come out to the mouth of the cave. And there was thunder, and there was lightning. There was a storm. There was an earthquake. There was crazy wind. Rocks were breaking and all of that. And it said, God was not in. God was not in. God was not in. God was not in any of that. It said, but the still, small voice came. It's like, oh, oh. See, the Holy Spirit will begin to end up directing us. Even sometimes it's, it's kind of like the, like the wind. I just refer to sometimes it's just like little, little nudges here, little nudges there, little unctions that, you know, that, that cause us to, to do. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was 
a couple here at the church, and he just, he just kept getting highlighted. They were just highlighted and highlighted to me. I didn't hear a voice. I just saw them. They were highlighted, and, and I, I knew in my spirit that I needed to contact them. I found them out in the hallway. Normally what I do when there's a bunch of people at the altar, like there was two Sundays ago, I will come up there and I will be praying with these people. But I, I knew to look for this other couple. I went, I looked for them, I found them. Where I found them was like right next to my office right there. And I was like, hey, I feel like the Lord's highlighted you two to me. Uh, is there anything that you might want to talk about or we could pray together or something? And I said, we could just like step in my office. It's right here. And they said, yeah, actually. So never met them before, never seen them up close. We stepped into my office and God did an amazing and an incredible work on that couple because they just were highlighted and I was obedient. I didn't hear, go to them. I'm going to want you to, to take them, find them, take them in your office. It's like, no, take one step, see what happens when you take that one step in faith, knowing that God's in control and he has a plan, he has a purpose. So when someone is highlighted and you are obedient, man, he is so faithful to do the rest when we do our part. It's like Holy Spirit. It's like, it's kind of like... Like drifting in the wind sometimes. It's like, it wasn't anything clear. Where did that come from? Well, it just was highlighted to me. Well, I know where it came from. But we begin to recognize those things. The closer that we are and the more times that we're obedient, we get to see the fruit of that obedience. It's like, yes, Lord, yes. I think that was really good. Okay. Thank you. Okay, we've become a new creation. Well, now, uh, back on track here, that that new creation, kind of like my new truck. You know, what I'm going to have to do, I have this this brain, uh, I have a a will, and I have a great, no, not that kind of will yet, I'm only 71, but... uh, (laughs) I have to decide, I have to become intentional with this new creation. You know, like when you get a brand new truck, it's like, well, I need to learn the possibilities, learn what all this thing can do. Man, it's got lots of, lots of stuff, but it's going to take a little, a little bit of learning, so I need to read that manual, at least the parts of it that are applicable to what interests me, and then I need to start... Figuring out how to do that. Now, my friend Craig there in the second row, he's just laughing about this, that I still don't know how to do with this stuff. But that's because he's just a youngster. (laughs) But I have to provide, I mean, I'm going to decide. I'm using the truck here as kind of an example, and I think that makes sense to me anyway. That truck, I'm going to decide who gets in and out of that because right now that thing is still really clean. It smells like leather. 
You open the door, it's like, oh yeah, I like that. That's an, a really an expensive smell. <laughs> so I'm going to determine who gets in and out of that, out of that truck. And I'm, I'm going to wash that thing more than three times a year. I promise, Craig. And I'm going to be careful where I park it. You know, it's like, as we apply this to our lives, when I go somewhere, it's like, man, I hate the idea of getting this thing dinged up. It's really pretty. So I'm going to be careful where I park, who I park next to. It's like, yeah, they probably don't care too much for their car, so I probably won't park right next to that. You'd probably guess I haven't had a brand new vehicle for 20 years. So, okay. So when, when we think about our lives, we've become a new creation. We're responsible for that new creation. And there's something that we need to do, and that's find our leader, find the guide and the direction that this new creation is going to go. And that is submit to God. As we submit ourselves, it's like, okay, so we submit to direction, we submit to correction, and, <clears throat> and we submit to the guidebook right here so we can learn to fulfill the potential that he's put in us and the direction that he wants to take that new creation. Is this all starting to make sense? The truck, the, okay. Intentionality, intentionality. It's like, um, oh my goodness, the beautiful young lady with the hat that I know really well and I can, uh, Jenna, 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 Jenna. I got it just before you told me. Got it just before. Just like she was saying, you know, there are, Sunday morning Christians, where we go to church and get that little bit of fix. I'll, I'll never forget Sean Smith saying, basically, when you're just a church goer, not intentionally trying to learn and walk in what he has for you, it, it really isn't much more than we would say now a vac- vaccination when he was preaching it. He called it an inoculation, where you're getting just enough to never really get it. You know, when you take a vaccine, you're getting just enough of the vaccine that you don't catch what it is. Well, we can go to church every Sunday, and unless we're intentional about this new creation and where this new creation is made for and where it's going to go and what it's going to do, what it's called to do and created for, then going to church can be no more than just that inoculation where you're getting just enough that you never actually catch it. So the new capabilities and the potential that we were created for when we are empowered from on high with the Holy Spirit. I want to read a couple more scriptures here. Ephesians 3, 19 through 21. 
to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Everybody say, fullness of God. God. We want the fullness. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that what? Works in us. This is not just our thought process, the things that we want to do. It's that Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead, living and working in us, powering us up. If we read the manual and figure out how it works, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So where is his plan for the glory to be exposed? The church. The church. The church. We're given these gifts because his plan for salvation of, for the salvation of the world is through the church. That we can do more than we would even hope, think, dream, or imagine through his mighty power working in us if we're dialed in and tuned into that mighty power working in us. Now when I think about intentional, these are some of the promises that that I've just read, and we are a new creation. And what we're doing with that new creation and the intentionality, Galatians 5, 22 through 26, that we would be producing fruit. Everybody say, producing fruit. That's what we want to be, right? Producing much fruit. Galatians 5, 22 through 26. Here's our goal. Here's our goal. Here's why we're going to church. Here's why we're serving the Lord. Because of the fruit that will be produced in us. Goal, goal, target. Fruit of the Spirit, our target. As we have been led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, that mighty power working in us, the fruit being produced, you're saying, well, we've heard this before, Pastor. It's like, yes, and you will undoubtedly hear it again and again. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Let's start to break this down. What, what is love? It's like, man, you look at the love chapter and it's like, oh my goodness, the things that love is. Love isn't just a warm, fuzzy feeling. Love is something that you actually have to work at. Love, joy. Joy is something that we get to experience when Jesus says, my joy, experience my joy, walk in my joy. And for the joy set before him endured the cross. Joy, love, joy. Joy is a choice. Peace, peace. And that peace of God which surpasses all human understanding that guards your heart, that guards your mind. Long-suffering. I think I like the word patience better in there that comes from some translations rather than long-suffering. 
But long-suffering produces patience, right? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. When I think of faithfulness, and I think of God's faithfulness, and then I think of my faithfulness to God through my, wow, sorry, through my faith in God, am I faithful to God? And then I think of like Jesus, his time on earth, and, and when, he, when he looked at those that he was teaching, that those that he was discipling, those that he was leading, how many of those, when he was looking around at, about to be crucified, going through the most difficult time in his life on earth, how many of those remained faithful to him? It's really quiet now. How many were faithful to the end, to his end on earth? Yeah. yeah, the one that he really, really poured into was Peter. On this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail. And he's one of the first ones to bail. So faithful. And, and you know, that, that causes me to, to uh, like, wow, Jesus, what you went through, man. To then look around, it's like, how is my faithfulness? God, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. Uh Man, unto death, I want to be faithful. Uh, it's like, then I turn around and look at the people around me and thinking, how many faithful friends do I have? Then when you think about people that are your friends, how faithful are you? You have a best friend, someone that you would take a bullet for, someone that you would lay your life down for? It's like, man, start looking around and thinking the people that, the, the people that a, a friend, a friend, a real friend that I would be, it's like, man, that would be tough. Then I turn around and look at, at real friends. It's like, who are my real friends? Who, is, who, who, would, who could I call at 3 o'clock in the morning? There was a hand. Would you stand up? I'd like to get your phone number and your. <laughs> I was looking for hands and I saw one. <laughs> it's like, wow. You go through my life, I probably could end up saying there are probably two. Two people, and I'm 71 years old. There's probably two people that I could say have been like a most trusted friend. Faithfulness, faithfulness. Okay, we can move on. 23. Gentleness, self-control, self-control, self-control. You know that's such a big part of our, of our testimony as we're walking. You know, we're to be ambassadors of reconciliation. We're called to be bringing people to Christ, be reconciled to God, be reconciled to God. So part of my testimony is the fruit that I'm producing, and one of the really, really big ones is self-control. I've been talking with a few people lately that, you know, kind of been going through some stuff, and we all go through some stuff. And I'm saying, you know, uh, a big, big part of my life, especially the first 20, 30 years walking with 
walking with the Lord, I am pretty much have been, came to realize that so much of life that I've lived is about me. It is about me. And if someone has done something that I feel like someone has wronged me, well, I would like to be judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> you know? Because, man, you, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. And I unanimously say that was wrong. 100% vote. I've been wronged. And you should pay for that. It's like, it's like man... And when I was young, that whole self-control thing, I had a real temper issue. Uh, if I got to the point that I became angry enough. When I got a little older, I figured out some of the things to look for. When I say guard your guardrails, I've talked about, you know, with a number of you about guarding your guardrails. It's like establishing guardrails for ourselves because, I mean, I, everything from your credit score to your actions at your job, to your actions, it's all part of your testimony. It's like people are watching what you do a whole lot more outside the church than they are inside the church. Am I the same person outside the church as I am inside the church? Ruth, what do you say? <laughs> right answer. So... How important it is that this new creation that we're taking care of, because that is our testimony, the fruit that we're producing. And I'm not going to end up having time to go anywhere half of what, what I have here, unless you want to stay till about 12.30, quarter to one. I don't hear one positive vote there, so... See if that same hand would raise back there. <laughs> All right. I see that hand. Learning that self-control. I'm going back to judge, jury, executioner. It's like, see, if we allow ourselves, if we allow ourselves, we don't set guardrails up for ourselves in how we act and how we react. It doesn't matter in reality who's right or wrong if someone has offended me. Even if they were wrong, the really, really important part is how I react. It's my reaction is what everybody sees. We're all going to end up going through some trials, some tribulations, some, some difficult times. And you know, I've come to realize after 71 short years that the most difficult times and things and experiences that I've had all are involved, have the involvement of people. <laughs> Relationships and people. It's like, man, Pastor Rich is always saying, man, church would be the most amazing and this would be the most incredible job if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> but he loves the people. <laughs> I was saying, you know, the most challenging, difficult circumstances and things in our lives, pretty much, at least in mine, involves relationship with people. 
Can anybody relate? We could take a vote on that one. So how I deal with people, how I respond when I've been acute, when I've been, you know, when I've been, whatever, whatever has happened. It's like, you know, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures really quick. I'm going to move quickly now. If I can get to, uh, go to Galatians 6. Don't receive, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will also he reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us now not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I'd like to go to... James chapter 1. We're going to move to James chapter 1. And I'm just going to read some of that to you. Uh, Probably verse 2 through 18. We're on 19 right there. Okay, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces long-suffering. <laughs> but let patience have its perfect reward that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. So why do we rejoice in trials and tribulations? Because it's perfecting our faith as we go through that long-suffering, that it's building character in us. And how we react to these situations is incredibly important. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as the flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat, it withers the grass, the flowers fail, its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Everybody say, endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God doesn't tempt anyone. He allows the temptation of the enemy for us to grow. He allows the trials in our life for us to grow, to build the character that is needed for us to be able to accomplish the gifts that he has for us. Everybody get that? 
You know, we have to go through some stuff because it is building in us the character that we need to carry and make fruitful the gifts, the spiritual gifts that he has available for us. Each one's tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Everybody say, swift to hear. hear. We're quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. What is wrath? It's in like incredible anger. It's the next step beyond anger is wrath. Like, I think I chipped another tooth. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be angry and sin not. Be doers of the word, not only hearers, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, It deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. So what I'm saying is like, you know what? We have got to be so cautious because of the fruit that we want to see produced with the words we use, the things we say, and holding our temper in our tongues. Holding our temper in our tongues. We're not the judge. We're not the judge. We're not the judge. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. In the world, not of the world. So I want to conclude with Yes, I am. (laughs) How important it is that we really take care, intentionally take care of that new creation that we are, that we became, that we have become. What God has called us to 
He's made us. He's cleaned us. He's washed us up. He's got us cleaned up. He has made us holy in his sight. Now it's our responsibility to proactively, intentionally take care of that. And I'm going to go back to, you know, even like the new truck. I'll be careful where I park. I'll be careful where I go. And I'll be careful who I let in it. And I just think that's a word for each one of us as we intentionally pursue the goodness of God and everything that he has for us and operating in the gifts to produce the fruit that is necessary of each and every one of us, we pay attention to who we let in. Who we let in. Who gets in our inner circle. Who we allow in. Dark and light don't do well in the same house. I mean, we're not, I don't, I had a lot more scripture. We're not going to go there. I'm just going to summarize here. We have to be really careful about who we let in to our inner circle. I refer to it as pit crew. I refer to it as, but we are that new creation and we do not want the new creation defiled. So we be careful who comes in. <laughs> we be careful what we do and, and, and what we say because we're guarding our testimony by guarding our, putting up guardrails, guarding our guardrails, we're guarding our testimony because we are ambassadors of Christ. Everybody say, ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors, stand to your feet, please. Father, I thank you. You are such a good, good, loving, caring God. Your love knows no bounds. Your love knows no bounds. You love us, you pursue us, you clean us up, you accept us, you receive us into your, into your kingdom. You give us gifts, such precious gifts, and there's power and authority that's available to each one of us as we just begin to know you better. As we open up the doors of our lives for you to take a look. <laughs> For you to continue to, 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 to point out the things in our lives that, that we need to change, that need to get rid of, the, the house cleaning, the closet cleaning, the reorganizing. As we pay attention to the leading of your Holy Spirit, we just say, lead us, guide us, direct us, show us, teach us, and empower us. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Almighty God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. If the prayer team would come up, if you, know, if you feel like you'd just like to have hands laid on, that you'd just like to have a refreshing, if you feel like it's time in your life for a cleanup, Come, come, come. Let us pray. We would love to pray with you. If you need healing, God is a faithful healer. He loves you. He wants you to walk in wholeness. But even more important, he wants your name written in the Lamb's book of life. He wants to see you and spend eternity with you. I bless you. May the Lord keep you and make his face to shine upon you and you walk in his everlasting peace. Amen.